proclaiming the soon return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, preparing a people for the kingdom of heaven, preserving a posterity for the glory of God. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Key of David podcast, brought to you by the Watchman of the Wall Ministries. My name is Charles, and I thank God above that you have decided to stream this podcast to tune in to what I would have to say. I greet you in the name of the Lord. This is a most holy week that we are recording this podcast. This is the week that the culmination of our Lord's ministry came to its apex. And Jesus was crucified on a cross, buried, and then resurrected. We celebrate this week with the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So greetings in the name of the Lord. Thank you for tuning in. I trust that God's spirit is going to move in the next few minutes, and you're going to hear something that if you will apply to your life, if you will believe and obey what you hear on this podcast, that your faith will be built up. You will be edified. You will receive those things that will give you victory in your life against the enemy victory to stand in this evil day and to be rest assured that you are on your way to heaven and that the enemy cannot stop you from making heaven your home. I want to take this moment to welcome my brother and fellow minister in the Lord, Scott, Scott, how are you doing on this most holy week? I'm I'm doing wonderful brother Charles. It's always a pleasure to be, on this podcast and to uh, hear what the Lord has to say and just feel his presence. And in a day and age, like we're living in the day, that's a precious, precious thing. Just like you said, Charles, we're about to, to celebrate the greatest story that's ever been told and the greatest action that's ever been taken on the face of this planet. And I'm just thankful, you know, <laughs> just quick, like, there, there's a lot of religions out there and I'm not making fun or being mean. There's a lot of religions out there that are serving a deity that's still buried in the ground. It, they, they died and they're, they're still in their t- respective tombs and people go and pay their respects. But I'm glad today we're serving one whose tomb is empty and we're about to celebrate that. <laughs> and if I ain't careful, I'm going to get a little excited, but I, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just thankful for the risen tomb and for a loving, wonderful savior, man, I could shout right now, but how are you doing today? <laughs> oh, I'm doing wonderful. You're stirring my heart when I think about what this week represents and how Jesus made his way to Jerusalem, knowing full well what he came to do and what he was born to do. And yes, he performed a lot of miracles and yes, he spoke a lot of words and we have books that he spoke and preached to us that we can apply to our lives but the greatest thing that jesus did was take our place on calvary and to rescue us from a, a lost and dying religion that we you know god sent his his law to moses and moses and the law was what governed the people but Jesus knew that it had no power to save. God knew that it had no power to redeem. It only had the power to condemn and to convict us of our sins and show us 
how far we have fallen from God's standards, but Jesus made a way. He opened the door with his death, burial, and resurrection, and I celebrate the goodness of God, and I'm like you, Scott. I get a little excited when I think about what Jesus did for me, what he still does for me. Amen. Now, I know a lot of people would be compelled this week, Scott, to do a podcast that reflects resurrection morning and reflects what Jesus did on a cross. Um, We are going to talk about a new series that we started on the last podcast, and uh, it's not directly related to resurrection morning or what this Sunday represents, but it does have everything to do with the life that Jesus rescued, bought for you, paid with his precious blood. So Mm -hmm. you can still celebrate resurrection morning, even through the words that me and Scott would have to say to you today. Scott, we did start a new series. We were so excited on the last podcast. And I must confess, we were so excited that we absolutely saturated our listeners (laughs) with all the stuff that we have been feeling about the kingdom series. You know, we started a series about living in the kingdom of God, and we're going to talk more about that today. But Scott, what I would like to do, since I listened to the last podcast, I realized we had given them so much that we need to, if we can, if the Lord will allow, we can contain ourselves. We will slow it down a few few degrees and and give them the kingdom of God and how God expects them to live in the kingdom today a little bit slower than we did last week so that people can be <laughs> on the same page so that they can get all that God's goodness is in this lesson. Amen. 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 I'm in total agreement with you this week, sir. We gave them what we call in the vernacular sometimes a shotgun message and just <laughs> spread in one message what we were going to do in a few weeks they they got a lot so yeah i'm going to promise to try to behave and be a good boy and <laughs> we're going to try to dissect what all we said in the last podcast a little bit yes sir amen amen now scott uh there was a, a one thing that you mentioned in the last podcast while we gave them the introduction to the kingdom that I really want to mention. And that was when you brought up the fact by the Holy spirit that Moses was called to go to Egypt and to come to be, play his part in seeing the Israelites set free. God said it was time. It had been 400 years or more since Israelites were slaves in Egypt. And God heard their cry and sent Moses to set them free. And they came out of Egypt and they were on their way to the promised land. Now, Scott, that trip from Egypt to the promised land should not have taken very long. But God led them through the wilderness for 40 years. The first place he took them was to his mountain where Moses met the Lord and met God and received his call through the burning bush, God told Moses, you take the people out of Egypt. And once you get them out of Egypt, bring them to this mountain so that I might teach them 
how I'm going to be their God and they're going to be my people. And I feel the witness of the Holy Spirit as I say that, that our attempts in this new lesson, in this kingdom series, is to bring the people to God and let God teach the listener how he wants to be their God and how they should live as God's children in the kingdom. And I believe that is what kind of a journey that we are on. Scott, we always promoted this podcast with the fact that we are on a journey. And we are on a journey from salvation to the empty tomb and beyond. And we're on our way to heaven. And along the way, God is going to show us just exactly all the things that Jesus won for us through his death, burial, and resurrection, what he won back from the enemy, what he gave back to the church that we lost so long ago. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit, about how far back it goes that God made a redemption through his son. But I really wanted to to remember and to review that calling that God had on Moses' life where he brought him out of Egypt, and then he brought him to a mountain and said, I will teach them how to be my people. Scott, I feel like that's what we're doing on this podcast. I feel like through the Kingdom series, that's what God has instructed you and I to do, is to teach the people how to be children of God and how to live in a kingdom. Despite the fact that we're still in this world, we can live according to God's kingdom and have a kingdom victorious life while we're here on this earth. Do you remember when you mentioned the Moses carrying the people out of Egypt to the mountain last week? Do you remember oh. that last podcast? I, I, it's still burning in my soul. I, I, it was uh, it was a shock to me. Uh, it was it came to me just as fresh as to the listener, to be honest. And and I just saw, like you were saying, so well put so well that these messages that, that the Lord has given us to say is, is acting instead in place of likened unto what Moses did. Charles, going all the way back to the beginning of this, for me, which is the rape of the church, uh, the Lord gave us words to say to diagnose the problem. And then in the remnant series, he told us what he's going to do about the problem, and that's build a people. And, and that remnant series, Charles, if, if people took it and accepted it, called you out of the Egypt system. And now it's, it's yep. time to learn how to live like a remnant believer. And, and Charles, Amen. like you put so well, you know, Moses brought them to the mountain to let God instruct them because there are things that they need to know. There are tools that they need to access. There are enemies coming that we don't even begin to know how to fight. There are traps that are being set by Satan that we don't even know how to, how to maneuver. And coming to Mount Sinai is where we get are taught uh, what pleases God, what displeases God, how to walk victoriously, how to stop riding the Christian roller coaster ride today, which is I'm up one week and I'm down the next. Ouch, that hurts me. But, you know, he's teaching us these principles, and that's why I'm excited today that we're going to get to sit down on the mountain. We're going to get to hear a little bit of rumbling and quaking and shaking 
and feel the power of the mountain of the word today that's going to come out and instruct us. That's that's how I feel. <laughs> Amen. And you, you did a great job. Thank you so much for reminding us what was said to us through the Holy Spirit on the last podcast. Scott, we called the last podcast Living in the Kingdom. And we are living in a kingdom now. There is a kingdom theology that's being promoted by the mainstream church. And that kingdom theology is so, it's so enticing and it's so, you know, easy for people to want to be a part of that because it makes the person, the main focus of God's attention. It makes the believer, the Christian, the main focus and basically that kingdom theology that's being promoted by the mainstream church is it's a, it's a, a theology of all about me and what's in it for me. And when I get saved, God's main goal is to make me happy and to give me victory and to give me resources and to give me a good life while I'm here on this earth. Now, the reason why that kingdom theology that's being that's being promoted by the mainstream church is so enticing and so easy for people to believe and to grasp is because it's not that it's wrong. It's just the timing is off. Mm -hmm. It's out of order because when Jesus came to this earth, Scott, he did come to, to establish a kingdom but the kingdom that is being promoted by the mainstream church is the kingdom that will be established when Jesus returns and is physically, physically reigning on this earth. Now, that kingdom is a kingdom of reward. That kingdom that will be established when Jesus returns is a kingdom where we will have victory we will have all the things that make life great, that we will be living in abundance, that we will be living in power and authority. But there is a kingdom that was established the first time that Jesus came. And the Pharisees and the religious leaders of that day missed it because they were looking for the kingdom that would be established when Jesus physically reigns on this earth. Now, we're going to go all the way back to the beginning, Scott. Adam and Eve in the garden. Adam was given a kingdom, Scott. And he was given kingdom authority. Adam basically was the first king of the earth. When God created the heavens and the earth and then made man, he gave man authority. He gave man dominion over the earth. Basically, the earth was man's kingdom, and Adam was the first king of the earth. But we know the story that happens in Genesis chapter 3. There was a command given to Adam and Eve not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or they would lose their place, and they fell to temptation, and they saw an easy way out. And they wanted to be, they wanted more than what God had given them. They wanted to be like God. That was the temptation given from the serpent 
He said, you shall be like God, knowing good and evil. You will be your own boss. It will all be all about you. Does that sound familiar, Scott? Very familiar. Yes, sir. And this enticed Adam and Eve, and they fell to the temptation that Satan presented them. And, Scott, it caused the authority of the kingdom. It caused Adam to lose his kingship and forfeit it over to Satan. And Satan then became the king and the ruler of this kingdom. And up until the point that Jesus died on the cross, the kingdom was under the control of Satan. Do you remember, Scott, that when Jesus was being tempted by the enemy in the Gospels, how that after he was baptized by John the Baptist, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and prayed and was consecrated unto God's work. But he was tempted by the enemy, and the enemy said, I will give you the kingdom, and I will give you all the kingdoms of this world if you'll just bow down and worship me. Now, you think to yourself, there's no way that Satan could have done that. But at that point, Scott, Satan did have that authority. Mm -hmm. Satan did have that right. He was the king of the earth. He took the kingdom authority and the dominion of this earth away from Adam. And he had a right to give it to whoever he wanted to. And he was going to give it to Jesus. He was wanting Jesus to take back the kingdom, but he wanted Jesus to take the easy way out. Mm -hmm. He was tempting the Lord said, you don't have to die. You don't have to go through all the things that are prophesied about your torture, about your crucifixion. You won't, you can, you can bypass all that and I will give you the kingdom now. But Jesus knew that that was not God's plan. Amen. Amen. Now like we are. Yeah. I'm again, uh, trying my best to slow this down a little bit because I want people to understand that just like you said, the, the Israelites, when they were living in Egypt, when Moses came, they were governed by the kingdom of Egypt and they had been governed so long that that mentality of Egypt had crept into their minds. And unfortunately that whole generation never made it to the promised land. Because although they were physically removed from Egypt, God could never get that Egypt slave mentality out of their mind and hearts. And they missed out on the promised land because they could not leave the kingdom mentality of Egypt and live in the kingdom of God. Now, Scott, that's happening again. The mainstream church is attempting to get the kingdom the way that Satan tempted Jesus to bypass suffering, to bypass sacrifice, to bypass living for Jesus and for everyone else instead of being a servant. See, Paul said he was a slave of Jesus Christ. Yep. And I feel the spirit of the Lord. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yep. Paul said he was a slave for Jesus Christ. Now, there's nothing 
that you can say about being a slave that's enticing. If I was to come to you and say, I'm going to make you a slave, Scott, you would automatically reject that idea because no one wants to be a slave. No one wants to be enslaved to someone else's will, to someone else's dominion. But that's exactly what Paul said Jesus had done to him, that he was a slave to Jesus and that he had been enslaved by the Lord and the Lord had dominion over him and he was following the will of the Lord. Now, he was a slave to the kingdom of God. Now, we have a mainstream church that just like Satan enticing Jesus in the wilderness, bypass this enslavement, bypass the suffering. Don't inherit the kingdom of God through suffering and sacrifice. If you will just go around that, you can get to the kingdom of reward and the kingdom of plenty and the kingdom of abundance where it's all about you. And the main thrust of that kingdom is your happiness and your benefit and and don't be a slave. Now, Jesus didn't follow that temptation. But, Scott, the mainstream church has failed to that temptation. They're, yes. promoting the, they're promoting a kingdom of reward out of time because we don't get the kingdom of reward until Jesus returns and physically reigns on this earth. Then will we be made kings and rulers of this earth. Then will we inherit the earth like he promised that the meek would inherit the earth. But the mainstream churches fell into a doctrine that promotes the kingdom of reward before the kingdom of service. So we're going to slow down and we're going to talk about this. Mm -hmm. But Scott, when I say kingdom, now I asked you this question last week, but now that we've had the first podcast about kingdom living let me ask you again when a believer gets born again and you've got you you know you got if you can remember back to the first time you were born again and you began to attempt to live for jesus what comes to mind when i say living in the kingdom what does that look like to you see living in the kingdom you, you asked me the question when i first got in there I guess simply put, when I first got into this kingdom, Charles, I was used to in the before time of going based upon my will and, and my desires. I was my king of, of my territory, my things and my possession. And when I came into this kingdom, I, I began to learn that I'm submitting my will, my authority to another king. And, and I must submit the reins to him. And, and no longer is it me running the show, but, you know, as a kingdom, the very nature of the word kingdom means that there is one person who is ruler and there are subjects under that ruler that listen and obey the rule of the one ruler. And, I, and you know, that took me up. I'm still learning that, <laughs> but it's a, it was a quite a shock, and it took me a time to get used to that. I don't know if that answered your question the way you wanted it, but that was one of the first things I ran into. Yeah, and that's exactly what most of the listeners that are listening to us have ran into in their life. 
is in their attempts to live to be like a Christian. You know, they were told now that you've accepted Jesus as your personal savior, it is up to you to live for him. And the big, one of the main really big mistakes that the mainstream church did is they knew how to get people saved, but they have a hard time making people disciples and to be a disciple of Jesus Christ means that you give yourself to a kingdom of service instead of the kingdom of reward. And we're going to talk about that because there is a way to live in this kingdom that Jesus established. Now, when Jesus was walking with the disciples, he did his best to teach them kingdom principles. And there's a couple of scriptures and a couple of stories that I want to read from the scripture of Jesus attempting to get the disciples to think in a kingdom mentality, because we know that the first kingdom, Scott, and let me make this clear. The second time that Jesus comes, he will be physically establishing the kingdom of heaven or the reign of the Lord as king of the earth. A physical kingdom will be established when Jesus returns. However, the first time that Jesus came, the Pharisees missed it because they and even the disciples were waiting for Jesus to physically overthrow the rulers of that world, to physically overthrow Rome, to take the kingdom away from Roman Empire and to establish Israel as being the king and the capital of the world. And so when Jesus came on the scene, and he said he was the Messiah. That was their acid test. Well, Jesus, if you're the Messiah, then set up your reign on this earth. Take authority back from the kingdoms of this world. Overthrow the Roman Empire and make Israel the capital of the world. And he didn't do that, Scott. And they rejected him as Messiah because that was what they were waiting to happen. And Jesus never brought that to pass because Jesus was here to establish a spiritual kingdom first. Our main scripture comes from Romans chapter 14 and verse 17 about the kingdom of God that we quoted several times on the last podcast for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not physical. It's not something, Scott, you can reach out and touch with your hand, pick up with your hands, observe with your eyes. But it is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, it means in the Holy Ghost means it's a spiritual kingdom. So, Scott, the first kingdom that Jesus established by his death that we're about to we're about to celebrate what he accomplished through his crucifixion and resurrection, he established a spiritual kingdom of God. And that's the kingdom that we are to live in at this present time. Now, because the disciples had it in their mind that Jesus was here to establish a physical kingdom, Jesus tried his best to speak to the disciples and tell them what type of kingdom he was trying to establish. Now in Matthew chapter 16, and I'm going to start at verse 13, here's one of the stories of Jesus trying to change the mentality of the disciples. It says, when Jesus came to the coasts 
of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And Jesus said unto them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And listen to this, Scott. This is the key part of this story. And I will say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, Scott, you've heard those verses before, right? Yes. A lot of people, they read those scriptures, and they're not exactly sure what Jesus meant when he spoke to Peter and said, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Now, what Jesus was saying is, is this kingdom that I'm going to give you authority in, the keys of this kingdom are a spiritual kingdom that will give you the ability to use spiritual means to make a physical difference. You can reach into the spirit realm and change things in the physical realm. That whatever you bind... And we're talking about the enemy. Now, Scott, we have authority because of the kingdom of God that Jesus established by his death, burial, and resurrection. We have authority over the spiritual realm. We have authority over the enemy. We have authority over Satan. Yes. And we can bind Satan. And we can stop Satan. You, you know, We were praying right before we did this podcast. And Scott, the power of the Holy Spirit compelled you to start taking authority over the enemy. Can you testify about that just a little bit? Uh, you know, it just just as you're so eloquently putting, when and we can tie this back into the very beginning of the podcast. Jesus, we're we're celebrating uh, Easter weekend, Resurrection morning. Jesus, by his death, burial, and resurrection took the keys, the authority, the dominion, uh, like you had you know, taught so well, that Satan grabbed from Adam. Adam gave the keys to Satan, and now he's got this dominion, this authority. He, he can wield men and women in, in the way that he wants, and, and you know his ways are nothing but destruction. But the Bible teaches that Jesus, by his death, burial, his, his resurrection, took the keys back and now he said behold i am alive forevermore and i have the keys and and it's his good pleasure jesus's good pleasure to give to his children those keys that unlock the doors of like you said we can we can stop the enemy that's that's what uh that authority that jesus died for he placed and gave to the church we no longer have to sit here and be victim or I like how you put it slave. We no longer have to be slave 
to what Satan wants to slap in our lives. We can now, by Jesus's uh, plan, by what he's done, we can take that authority and bind his plan, bind his action, stop him from taking our marriage, taking our children, taking our our, our, our finances, taking our job. Um, and I'm not I'm not teaching this as good as you can, sir. So I'm gonna hand this back. But that's what it comes to me. Scott, the authority that you're speaking of, do you see that being an operation in the mainstream church today? No, no, I do not. And, and I, my, I don't take joy in saying that. I, my heart is is saddened, and I'm burdened. And a lot of times, when you hear me on this podcast, and 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 I'm being loud or I sound like I'm mad. Okay, in this instance, I am. I am a little mad that that we've been robbed of that authority that Jesus, what he went through. Charles, and I don't want to take time away from this podcast at the moment to go into detail, but let's let's not forget what was done to him before he made it to the cross and what happened to him on the cross that he endured. Let's let's not forget that he said, no man takes my life from me. This is Jesus speaking, but I lay it down freely. And he gave himself as a lamb to the slaughter and opened not his mouth one time to say, hey, uh, I'm innocent. He took it. He took it. Boy, I can get excited right here, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But, but he put himself in our powerless place so that we could be powered again to glorify him. And those keys, Charles, that, that authority has been given back to us again for us to use. That's why we're parking it at Mount Sinai, if I can say it that way, because Amen. we have forgotten we have forgotten the instruction, Charles. We want to open the present and start playing with the toy. I, I, I got to say it this way. We want to directly open up the present and start playing with the toy, Charles. You, you remember on, on Christmas mornings, you started opening up that toy and you had some big fine rector set or some complicated toy that you had to insert flap A into slot B. And, and Charles, you wanted to dive right in and play with that toy, but it's not put together yet. It's, it's not in working order. And, and it's not going to be a toy that's going to work. You're just going to be frustrated and mad and throw it to the side. Jesus is parking us at Mount Sinai so we can learn how to use the tools again. I got to hand this back to you, buddy. I'm, I'm running away with it, but I, I love the analogy. you're doing a great job. And I love the analogy that you use about, you know, you see these commercials and it'll say some assembly required. <laughs> yeah. And if, if I could get, if I could change the gospel tracks that you see so often, people say, Jesus come to set the captive free. Jesus died on the cross so that you could be a born again. And then, you know, afterwards, and Paul said this in Romans, not in so many words, but he was saying there's some assembly required. <laughs> and <laughs> with the kingdom of God, there are some assembly required for you to live in victory. Now, the mainstream church has put the cart before the horse and they want to go forward and live in the kingdom of reward and begin to reap the benefits of the Christian life. And that authority that Jesus expected us to use over the enemy, Scott has been abused 
as a way for them to build their empire and to gain things. And the principles of God's kingdom still work. There's a scripture that says that the kingdom suffers violence mm. and the violence take it by force. And what that means is the people have abused the authority that was given back to us as a result of the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. And they use that authority to their own benefit. Yep. Now the kingdom that we live in now is a kingdom of service to our fellow men. We are not meant to reap the benefits. That should not be our motive. That should not be our goal. That should not be what makes us get up in the morning. But what should make us and motivate us in God's kingdom now is service to our fellow brothers and sisters, edifying the body of Christ, making sure that others have what they need, and not only physically but spiritually, so that they can make it home to heaven with us. And, Scott, that's the journey, and that's the, uh, that's the attempt that God laid on your heart, on my heart, with these podcasts that we've been doing for over a year is to establish the kingdom of God, the spiritual kingdom that we now live in so that we can help our fellow brothers and sisters live a victorious life over the enemy and make it home. Amen. Ooh, I like what you're sitting up here and I, I, my feeble attempt. I feel like I'm going to fail to try to explain this, but I, I see what you're, Help me with this because I, I I know I'm going to fail. Uh, but I see what you're saying here. You know, we're making the analogy of bringing the people to Mount Sinai. I want you to think about this for a moment. He Moses led the people to Mount Sinai, and at Sinai was where the power of God was resting. It was resting on the top of that mountain. The glory of God, the presence that that shook the mountain, and you could hear the trumpets. Off in the distance as the angels are, are blowing their horns in glorification to, to the God of gods and king of kings and, and the powers there on top of that mountain. And, and you can see the plan of God. <laughs> I'm getting excited again. I'm sorry. But, but you can see the plan of God where he's wanting to instruct the people in how to use these keys. So now they're little Mount Sinai's. When they leave, that meaning the power of God is not contained on just that one mountain in that one place in that one desert. But now these people that will hear and listen and obey the will of the Lord and learn how to use these keys, they're taking Sinai with them to the promised land. Now, now you you've not just here. got one mountain, but you've got a million mountains full of authority and full of power and full of anointing that's going to take the world for God and, and his glory. I, I am not doing that justice. You know what I mean, though. Amen. And, that, and that's why we slowed it down today. I love where this is going. I love what we're doing. God, Adam forfeited his kingship to the enemy. And Jesus won that kingship back from the enemy by his obedience, even unto death. Now, before he died, he told Peter, I'm going to give the keys of the authority that was lost by Adam. I won them back and I'm going to give them to the church and the church has the authority over the enemy 
Now we use that authority instead of on the enemy. We've been using that authority on our brothers and sisters mm-hmm. and, and the mainstream church. And I feel the spirit of the Lord. God gave us authority over the enemy, not authority over our brothers and sisters. Mm. And we have exercised the authority that Jesus won back for us to be benefactors of the, of the kingdom on this side and before Jesus returns. Now there's another story that I wanted to read of Jesus attempting to change the mentality of the disciples, trying to get them to understand what type of kingdom they are to live in at this point in the walk with God. And it comes from Luke chapter 22. Now let me set up the story. This is Jesus. They had been walking with Jesus for three and a half years. They were given the authority when Jesus breathed on them, the Holy Spirit. He said, go and cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead, do the things you've watched me do, take authority over the enemy, begin to tear down the gates of hell and bring the kingdom of darkness to its knees. And they did that, Scott. And they all returned and they all began to talk to one another about how that authority had worked in their lives and how they had took that authority over the enemy. And they began to brag about their accomplishments and they began to feel good about themselves. And it got to the point where it says in Luke 22, and there was a strife among them, which one would be counted to be the greatest in the kingdom. And Jesus said, the kings of the Gentiles ex- exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority over them are called the benefactors. But ye shall not be so. In oh. this kingdom, he said, but he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that does serve. For whether is greater, he that sit at meat or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you as he that serveth. So Jesus was telling them, when I came, I gave up my kingship. I gave up my deity. I gave up my authority in heaven so that I could walk among men. Now, Jesus is going to be made the king of this earth when he returns. When he returns, Scott, he's going to be physically king of the earth, and Israel will then be the capital of the world. But Jesus has not received that kingship yet. So if Jesus has not been crowned king yet, what makes the church think that they have the right to be crowned kings and queens before Jesus is? Well, it's just exactly what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's okay. How arrogant, how proud, how boastful the church has become. Just like he prophesied about the church of Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3, that they said to one another, we are rich. We are increased with goods. We have need of nothing. See, Scott, that church used the authority of the kingdom to reap the benefits before Jesus was even 
made king because of his sacrifice. Now, Jesus will be crowned king of kings and lord of lords when he returns. But the church has already usurped their authority, and they have basically operated a coup where they have taken their authority and made themselves kings and queens of this earth before Jesus has, and it's out of order. Yes. And that's why the church is suffering because they're abusing the authority that Jesus won back on the cross. So we are to use the kingdom to serve. He said, he that would be greatest among you will be the servant of all. And he said, the greatest shall serve the least in my kingdom. Jesus was attempting to tell the disciples, you can no longer think like the world does. You can no longer observe the kingdom and respect the kingdom as the world does, where they put the strong over the weak and the rulers are made the benefactors or they get all the reward in my kingdom. It is the servants that get the reward. It is the servants that will be blessed. It is the servants that will overcome. It is the servants that will live in victory. Scott, the kingdom that we live in now is a kingdom of service. And God expects us to use that authority to do damage to the kingdom of darkness, to overthrow the enemy, to take away his what he's gained in this world to use the authority to overcome the enemy, to stop him from taking any new ground, Scott. But what the Amen. church has done is promote a kingdom where they're not worried about the enemy. They're not worried about Satan. They're worried about taking the goods that come with being a king, uh, worried about being rewarded for what it, you know, for being a queen and that, has put the church in a powerless state. Amen. Amen. Uh, Charles, you know, you, you're absolutely right. And, and we have an example of a functioning. This, this came to me while you were speaking. And if you don't mind, let me take just a minute. I don't want to take away from the precious teaching, but I, I want to give the people an example of a functioning church, a healthy <laughs> functioning church. You can find this in the book of Acts in chapter two. That is a functioning church that is established correctly, and it's doing everything, Charles, that you're outlining. Let, let, let me just read it for a moment, and you help me decipher this. But it's Acts chapter 2, and let me, let me start at uh, verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word, talking about Peter. Peter had just got done preaching. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly. Listen, you'll hear it point for point. Listen. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all, A-L-L, that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. 
and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Now, now listen, here's the clincher. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now, I want you to, I hope that rings in your soul, Pastor. Wonder what would happen if you took one of those three cars that you got uh, from Pastor in that church and gave it to somebody so that they could come to church and then they in turn start talking about some uh, what's going on at that church and they light a fire. It just goes on and on and on. These people had need of nothing. These people had no depression, Charles. They were glad. They were happy. There were miracles, signs, and wonders, and it was a kingdom of service. Notice what they said right there in that verse. It said, and, uh, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they were deep digging in that work. It's all right there, Charles, if you read it for yourself. And, you know, because they were doing the kingdom principles that the apostles uh, outlined for them, the Lord trusted them to deliver Amen. them souls to be saved. Hey, pastor, wonder why that uh, you don't see anybody getting saved in your church anymore. I'd be because God can't trust you because you're too greedy with the other things. Let me, let me pull it back. Let me pull that back. But, but this is a, this is an example of a functioning church, Charles, exactly what you're talking about. Would you agree with that? Oh, Scott, while you were speaking, it hit me. Like you said, it burned within my soul. How very that the first church generation was concerned with one another, that yes. they wasn't going to be any big eyes and little U's. And I begin to think like you did. What if the people that have benefited from walking in the kingdom and using that authority for their own benefit, those ministers that have the jets, those ministers that have two or Come three on. houses, those ministers that have built up a kingdom and built an empire, what if they were to sell all their possessions and give it to the poor and make sure that everybody in the church was on on equal ground and there was nobody suffering? What kind of testimony to the world Woo. would that be? Come on. What kind of testimony would the world say? They would see a church like the first church generation, and they would say, I want to be a part of that. Yes. Where there is no big eyes and little use, where there's no one more important than another, where everyone <laughs> is happy, where everyone is being blessed, where everyone is being taken care of. No wonder in the first church generation, Scott, the scriptures you read, no wonder the Lord was adding to the church daily because they saw a church functioning according to the kingdom principles the way that it should. Charles, I had a friend. I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but let me say this one more thing. I apologize for interrupting you, but I, I, I used to speak with a dear friend of mine. I've lost touch with him since then. It breaks my heart. And, and, and he used to he used to believe in God and he used to love the Lord. And Charles, he no longer, as far as I know to this day, he, he joined a cult religion, a, a cult it's just a cult religion for now. I'm not going to name it, but that that's not important. The, the point I want to make is this. When I finally got back to him and he had already joined that cult religion and it's a big million plus cult religion in this world. And, and I, I asked him, I was like, what, what happened? Char what happened to you? So-and-so. 
And Charles, he, he said this. He said, I ended up getting in an accident. I ended up getting in a car wreck, Scott. And, and it put me in the hospital for weeks. And he said, I want you to know that not one member, not the pastor, not, not the deacon, not anybody in that church came to visit me to see if I was even dead or alive. He said, but mm. there was one person that came to that hospital and visited me. And it was that nice, quaint, sweet little cult, uh, uh, doctrinated, the cult person. I'm trying not to say it without saying it. But that <laughs> cult proselyte person walked in there showing love of some sort and, and showing that they cared. And it pulled him right into that cult doctrine. And Charles, just like you said, gosh, you're putting a fire under me. Uh, I wonder, preacher, if you'd take one of those three cars. Let me revisit that a second. I wonder if you'd take one of those three cars and you would sell it for money and you'd go out to the homeless that's out Amen. there and the destitute that see no hope that Jesus, by the way, preacher, has commanded you to go out and seek and bring into his house. He's commanded you. I wonder if you took that money and you bought him a meal and you bought him a nice suit of clothes and you bought, bought him what he needed to get off the street. I wonder what would happen. Woo! I tell you what, we would be like the first church generation that would take the world and turn it upside down. We can Amen. still do it, Charles, if we'll do the principles that we're outlining. Pulling it back now. I'm pulling it back and giving it to you. <laughs> Amen, Scott. Um, I have... I had several more things that I wanted to teach on, but for time's constraint, I'm trying to be led by the Holy Spirit and go the way and make the points in these last few minutes that we have that I believe that the Holy Spirit wants me to drive home on this particular podcast. But the Egyptians ruled over the Israelites by using a kingdom of fear. And mm. that fear is what kept the Israelites in check. The Israelites had got to a place where they outnumbered the Egyptians. And Scott, <laughs> if they would have banded together, Ooh, I hear it. if they would Preach have banded it. together, they would have overcome the Egyptians and overthrown them and set themselves free. Mm. But because they were slaves, not only in the flesh, but they were slaves to Egypt in the spirit because of fear, Egypt was able to rule over them and they never gained victory until Moses came and reminded them that God was on their side. Now we have people living out there, Scott, and you were talking about how if someone was to take an extra car and sell it and use that money to go and feed the, the homeless and to clothe those that are naked, is that not what Jesus said was the pure gospel? Yes. Was that not what Jesus said was exactly what the church was called to do? It's to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, love the unlovable. Mm. And those are the people that should benefit from the kingdom, not the ones in charge. Now, Scott, I feel like in the near future, if not all, it already has begun. But in the future, it will increase and get worse. There is a kingdom of fear that is being launched and has been launched over the world. Yes. And that fear has caused many people to change the way they live. I can give you examples about the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. 
and COVID-19 and how we wear masks now everywhere that we go and how we don't go to restaurants the way that we used to and we social distance and it's going to increase. They're going to, that's never going to go away, Scott. The world has changed and fear has made it impossible to reach out to each other and to share an intimate relationship. Now look what Satan is doing, Scott, by the way that he is setting up his kingdom of fear, just like the Egyptians, the governments, the people in charge, they are launching mandates. They're launching laws. They're changing the way that the world lives by fear tactics, Mm -hmm. by in, in the name of protection, in the name of, of safety, we are giving up our freedoms. We are turning over the ability to reach out. We have we we have people that are that Scott are uh, they they are hauled up in their homes and they built themselves a, 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 a they live alone in their homes and they're afraid to leave their houses and right down the road next to them is someone that is living in uh, such a depressed state such an oppressed state from the enemy and there's no one there to help them stand up there's no one there to reach out to them and satan has created a world where we have socially distanced ourselves not only in the flesh but in the spirit and this kingdom of fear is going to begin to rule and reign over everyone in the world and if we're not careful scott and it's already been done we've already testified to this that the christians that the church has fell to the same tactics that the world has and is living according to this kingdom of fear. And we should be living according to a kingdom of faith. And it is those people, Scott, the remnant believers that decide they're not going to live according to fear, but they're going to live according to faith that are going to be the light and the salt and the people that make a difference in the near future. No longer will the mainstream church be able to reach out because they stay in their buildings. They stay in their houses. They stay on their pinnacles where they built their empire. They no longer rub elbows with the lost. They no longer rub elbows with the homeless. They no longer go seek those people in ditches and in the highways and byways. Oh, that we would have people that would go into the highways and byways. Yes, yes. And call the lame. Call the prostitute, call the drug addict, call those that are lost, lonely, depressed, naked, alone, and bring them into the kingdom of God. But the devil has created a kingdom of fear that is keeping the Christians from investing their lives. And Scott, I I would dare say, and Scott, forgive me for doing this, but I'm going to call you out. I'm going to call me out. We live in our safety. We say here on this podcast, we reach out to people through technology. We no longer have invested our lives like we used to. Amen, no brother. Longer, and and I'm, I fell victim to it. Slowly but surely, I have fell victim to this social distancing, this mentality where someone said, Charles, ain't you so happy that today you can reach more people 
than the disciples did because you have the internet and you have radio and you have television. And, you know, a lot of people would ask, why didn't Jesus come at a time like this instead of back when there was no way to reach people and he had to go everywhere that he did on foot. And he only went in a radius of, you know, a couple of hundred miles teaching and preaching the gospel. Why did he not do it on a day like this where he could use things such as the internet and television and radio to reach all of the world at the same time? It's because Jesus knew the key to the kingdoms, God. And here is one of the keys that he gave Paul and he gave Peter and he gave the first church generation and they made a difference with it. It's the key of personal investment. Yes. Scott, the only way that the remnant believer is going to make a difference in these coming days, these coming time that we have left on this earth is to personally invest in those people that they want to see come into the house of God. Yes. Scott, if, if they want to see their lost loved ones come in, they want to see that spouse, that child that's went out in, in a rebellious state and is living on the streets. If they want to see, they have to personally invest. Remember what you said when Jesus saw the hearts of the first church generation, how they went from house to house breaking bread. That's mm-hmm. no longer happening. That's no longer occurring. When they went from house to house breaking bread and investing their lives in a personal manner, then Jesus trusted them with the kingdom and added to the kingdom daily. He added to those that would save. And I know that one of the main reasons why we're teaching this kingdom living series is because we have came, we've fallen away from that. We, we no longer live a personally investment life in the people around us. So we're no longer making a difference like Jesus said that we could, Scott. And I have fell victim to that. I believe you have. And how many, how many ways have we given up in the name of safety and security and protection? And we no longer personally invest. And Scott, the whole point of the kingdom of God is personal investment in others' lives. Amen. Amen. So beautifully put. And and there's there's no other way that it's going to work. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I, you, you might take offense about what I'm about to say, and you listening might take offense. I still love you anyway. But, you know, preacher, you can get on the Internet, and you can preach all day long, and Charles, this is going to smack us. And you can preach on the Internet all day long. But, until you reach out with a hand and you dare, how big is your God? Are you, are you that scared of COVID that God is that small to you? That, that's a question I want to ask, or is he bigger than the COVID virus? It, you know, it, and, and it's been Satan's job to scare us like a lion does his prey. Like the Bible teaches, the lion will single out a, a prey, a victim that he's wanting. He will pull it will corral that victim away from the herd of safety, away from the numbers, and single it out to where it's by itself in the pasture, and then he will strike. Social distancing, all this stuff that they've told us to do, 
the, the, the fear mongering. I'm sorry, the fear mongering. I mean, my God is bigger than coronavirus. I'm sorry to say it this way. And, and he singled us out, Charles, to where we're not making that personal investment anymore. I'm guilty of it. I admit it. And, and that is the only way that this kingdom is going to move forward. And, and can I add this one thing, if I may? I know we're running out of time. But, but let me add this one tagline to this. You're mentioning fear. This hit me square in the chest. You're mentioning fear. If you go out, Charles, and you sow a crop and you sow a seed, pick a seed. I don't care. Any seed. Pick a seed. What you sow into that ground may not look like the finished product, but eventually it, it, it the corn seed doesn't look like an ear of corn when you plant it in the ground. But once you plant it and it grows, it grows up a crop of corn. Now, Charles, here's a spiritual law. And this was this I heard while you were speaking. If you sow into your ground fear, you're going to breed a taskmaster. This, this is my point. You're going to serve somebody. You don't get to play little king. I'm sorry. It doesn't work. You might fool yourself. But, Charles, we don't get to play little king. You're going to serve a ruler. And right now, Satan is out there spreading fear. And that crop of fear is going to produce taskmasters. Go back and research that. In Egypt, they had taskmasters. They were evil. They were mean. They were tyrannical. They whipped and beat them every day. It was a horrible, horrible person that they were. And that's what fear will always breed. Fear does not breed a savior. Fear does not breed a Lord. Fear does not breed a Jesus. Fear breeds a, an Egyptian taskmaster. So we've got to decide today who we're going to give our allegiance to. Do we want to give it to one who loved us so much that he gave his life for us and was beaten to death? Or are we going to serve a taskmaster? And that's what we're going to have to choose today uh, along with this. i got to give this back to you, sir, so you can finish this. No, you're doing a great job, Scott. I believe what God is doing right now is beginning to teach our listeners keys to the kingdom. And, you know, we have the key of David that we've been preaching about, an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. One of the other keys that he has revealed to us today is the key of personal investment. Mm -hmm. Listener, you don't have to write a book. You don't have to sing a song. You don't have to preach a sermon. You don't have to be a, or a great orator. You don't have to be a great motivational speaker. You don't have to have a lot of resources. Scott, we have listeners that are doing nothing in the kingdom. Yep. Shame on us. Shame on us. Remember the man who took the talent that he was given and hid it in the ground. And he was not condemned because he tried and failed. He was condemned because he didn't. Try at Try all. He never invested what the king gave him into someone else's life. And Scott, I believe the word that we got today, the key to the kingdom living today, is you can personally invest your life in someone. Mm -hmm. You do not have to be called to preach. You do not have to be called to prophesy. You don't have to be like Scott. You don't have to be like Charles and have a podcast. You don't have to get on the internet. You don't have to write books. You don't have to preach sermons to change someone's life forever. All you have to do 
is refuse to live in that kingdom of fear that is taking over the world and live in a kingdom of faith. Believe in a God that when he sees your efforts to personally invest in other people's lives, he will protect you from the coronavirus. He will protect you from the enemy's devices. He will set up a standard against the enemy. If you dare to believe and sow your life as a personal investment, reach out and touch someone. Call that person that you haven't talked to in so long. Reach out to that person that lives right across the street from you. Stop what you're doing for yourself and start thinking of others. Yeah. That is the key to this kingdom. Now, Scott, in the last few moments that we got, if you have anything left on your heart to say, please say it. But I want you to pray for us. Pray that we will get a mentality of personally invest in our lives and other people and personally invest in our lives in the kingdom of God and making sure that we are not wasting the talent, the grace the gift of salvation that God has given us. Father, we thank you today for this eye-opening word. God, we first, let us ask for forgiveness. Lord, that I feel that we've been squandering our talents that you've given us. We have. We're guilty. Lord, and we pray your forgiveness on this. Lord, we've been selfish. We've worried about self. We've been self-centered. And Lord, we pray your forgiveness on this matter. And God, you, you've called us to be salt. You've called yes. us to be the light. God, and salt is worthless if I go and hide it in the kitchen and never spread it on any of the food. God, a candle is useless if I stick it in the closet and never light it to use it to light the room. God, you've called us to be those very things. You've called us to be your arms. You, you've called the church to be your mouth. Your eyes, your arms, and your legs. Your, your, your body has gone to heaven right now, but there is another body, Lord, that you want to use, and that's us, to be, to be your arms, legs, and eyes, and ears on this earth. And God, help us today. Help us. I rebuke the fear of the coronavirus. I rebuke. <laughs> I rebuke this monster this demon of fear that has been set loose on the face of this planet on the remnant believer in the name of jesus and i pray that they feel the strength that i see coming from the throne of god i pray they receive it that they do not have to be fear to what joe biden says they don't have to be feared to what dr fauci says they don't have to be feared to what has been let loose from wuhan china All we need to fear is God and God alone. And God, help us today. Help us today to be the salt, to be the light, to rub arms and elbows. Throw away the six foot. Forget it. The six foot. Let us get six foot deep in personal investment. Lord Jesus, help us today, we pray, in the name of Jesus, to be effective, to make a change while there's still time to make a change. God, help us to understand these tools. God, you give us so, so many wonderful tools in the Holy Ghost that we can use to serve others and to glorify you and serve you. Help us. Give us the wisdom and understanding, God, that we can use these keys while there's still time. God, while we can still populate heaven. 
God, heaven is still a place that doesn't have a set number yet. I don't believe. Help us, God, to populate heaven. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus before it's too late. And we give you the praise, Lord. We give you the, the glory for it all. Thank you for this word today. In Jesus' name I pray. And amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Scott. Thank you so much, listener, for listening to what we've had to say for the last few minutes. I know that sometimes it is a sacrifice to, to take the time to listen to these podcasts, but I do know that we serve a God that when you attempt to grow in your faith, when you attempt to invest your life in the kingdom, God will bless you for it. He will give you those things that you need to have victory in your life over the enemy to make a difference in the kingdom of God. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to listen to uh, all the ones that have trend that we have recorded in the past. If you haven't done so, I encourage you to visit our other resources. We have a YouTube channel. We have a, a, a Facebook page. We have Instagram and Twitter. All you have to do is search at crowd, the watchman, and you will find these. We have an email address that you can use to send us requests, comments, feedback, anything that you have on your heart that you want to share. Scott and I will take it seriously and we will pray with you and join our faith with you. That email address is simply key underscore David underscore ministries at yahoo.com. We have blogs that you can read that you can use in your devotional time. We encourage you to share these messages with other people. That may be the way that you personally invest in God's kingdom is share this message with someone else. Let it be placed out there where other people can benefit from it as well. We encourage you to listen to the next podcast as we continue in the kingdom series and the Holy Spirit does what he did today and reveals those keys that Jesus gave the church that we can use against the enemy and to save the lost and to make God's kingdom greater than it was before. It is the desire of my heart. I can speak for Scott. It is the desire of his heart. It is the desire of Key of David podcast and the Watchmen of the Wall Ministries that each and every person listening repents, 